Welcome to the Way Church Service at Greystone with Pastor John. We invite you to join us at 1 Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. Come on now, smile. Come on guys, smile back. We're not going until we smile. Hey, back there. Oh, wake up back there, smiles. There we go. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Welcome to the White Church Service at Greystone. I'd like to thank everyone for coming out this morning to get a portion of God's Word. First and foremost, I'd like to thank our risen Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. For making all this possible for us by going to the cross, shedding his blood for the forgiveness of our sins, and becoming the final sacrifice for our sins. So we can have a new life, eternal life, spiritual life, and a new purpose here on planet earth for all who believe in the one and only Son of God. We gather here to learn about our Creator and find our purpose here and use it to glorify God and to serve our Lord and Savior, and one another. Our goal, this ministry has a goal, and that is to grow spiritually and start to handle life God's way. Not our way, God's Word, which is the Bible, becomes the owner's manual to our lives, and we study it, learn it, and apply it to see how God wants us to live, how to think, how to act, how to serve, and how to treat ourselves and others. Thank you, Jesus. Each part of his body is very precious to God. One body, many parts. parts. I want to personally welcome you all to the way. We depend on God's grace, not our own power, to accomplish his will for our lives. I also want to say hello to all our family from the live feed who can't be with us this morning. If you'd like to worship with us in unity of the Spirit together this morning, We love you all and thank you for your continued support. And if you have a cell phone, please silence it so it does not disturb this morning's service. And we will start with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly, merciful God and Creator, our Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for giving us this beautiful day and this beautiful opportunity to gather together this morning as your family to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord. And place your name above all names, Lord. Even our own, as all of us fight, Lord, to put you first in our lives, Lord. Thank you for getting us here safely, Lord. And thank you for all your generous provisions that you provide for us each and every day, Lord. Even though we may not recognize them, Lord, we love you for it, Father. And we're grateful to you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for being obedient unto death and going to that cross for us, Lord, so we can be set free from the power and penalty of sin in our lives, Lord. Thank you for your matchless grace and tender-hearted mercies that begin afresh every morning, Lord. Help us, give us all holy amnesia, Lord, and to forget yesterday and look forward to what lies ahead. And I pray you take all the bitterness, resentments, and hateful attitude away from us this morning, Lord. Fill us with your unconditional love. 
through your spirit, Lord. So we can get a crystal clear message this morning through your word and by your spirit. We pray for the people that are sick, our sister Doreen, you bring her back to us safely, and anyone else in the congregation who might not be feeling well, or anyone else in our Christian family, Lord. We're just grateful for everything you do in our lives. Let us see you in everything, Lord. And as always, let everything be led by your spirit and not our flesh. And it's in Jesus' powerful name. Amen and amen. All right, we're going to stand and worship the Lord. Let me tell you how much he loves you. 
What a great song. Let my Jesus change your life. Amen. What a great song. Beautiful voice. Beautiful church. Have a round of One body. Many parts. Very talented, blessed church. So many talents and abilities. Used for the Lord. It's just an awesome thing. All right. How's everybody doing this morning? All right. It's good to see everybody on a Sunday morning. No place I'd rather be in God's house with his people. Amen? All right. We're going to start this morning in Ecclesiastes chapter 7. As always, the Holy Spirit will be taken over as I go into these scriptures. So please prepare your minds and your hearts to receive the message the Spirit is trying to say to the church this morning. Amen? And we do have a blue card on the pews that Donna did for us to get to the scriptures faster. We will be going through scriptures today, so be prepared. All right, we're going to start in verse 1. Thanks, man. I can't even go back. Look, she got me. But I can go forward. <laughs> no, she's got a lot of verses here. We're going to get through it. All right, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 1. Solomon, wisdom for life, a good reputation is more valuable than costly perfume, and the day you die is better than the day you are born. It is for a Christian, I don't know, not so much for the unbeliever, better to spend your time at funerals than at parties. After all, everyone dies, so the living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for sadness has a refining influence on us. If you notice, when you get sad or down, we reach for the Lord more than when we're happy. It's through the brokenness that we get into a tighter relationship with our Savior. A wise person thinks a lot about death, while a fool thinks only about having a good time. Better to be criticized by a wise person than to be praised by a fool. A fool's laughter is quickly gone, like thorns crackling in a fire. This also is meaningless. Exhortation turns wise people, oh, extortion, I'm sorry, let me get that right. I was going to say, exhortation helps us. Extortion turns wise people into fools and bribes corrupt the heart. Finishing is better than starting. Patience is better than pride. Look at verse 9. Control your temper. Temper, temper, temper. <laughs> Control your temper, for anger labels you a fool. Don't long for the good old days. This is not wise. Wisdom is even better when you have money. Both are a benefit as you go through life. Wisdom and money can get you almost anything, but only wisdom can save your life. 
verse 13. Except the way God does things. For who can straighten what he has made crooked? Let's say that again. Except the way God does things. Why? Because he's God and we're not. And he knows better than we do. For who can straighten what is made crooked? Enjoy prosperity while you can. But when hard times strike, listen up now. Realize they both come from God. Amen. Remember that. It has a refining effect on us when the hard times come. It refines us. It purifies the gold. It burns out the impurities. And we start to look at really what's important. Remember that nothing is certain in this life. The limits of human wisdom. I have seen everything in this meaningless life, including the death of good young people and the long life of wicked people. So don't be too good or too wise. Why destroy yourself? On the other hand, don't be too wicked either. Don't be a fool. Why die before your time? I'm going to keep going. <laughs> Pay attention to these instructions. Listen to this now. Listen to verse 18. Pay attention to these instructions. For anyone who fears God will avoid both extremes. See, fear of the Lord is the key to wisdom in life. One wise person is stronger than ten leading citizens of a town. Not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. That means we're all in the same boat. So don't judge anybody. If anything, judge yourself. When you start judging other people, look in the mirror because you're judging yourself. Don't eavesdrop on others. You may hear your servant curse you. For you know how often you yourself have cursed others. I have always tried my best to let wisdom guide my thoughts and action. I said to myself, I am determined to be wise. But it didn't work. Wisdom is always distant and difficult to find. I searched everywhere, determined to find wisdom and to understand the reason for things. I was determined to prove to myself that wickedness is stupid, and that foolishness is madness. I discovered that a seducive woman, seductive woman, is a trap, more bitter than death. Her passion is a snare, and her soft hands are chains. Those who are pleasing to God will escape her, but sinners will be caught in her snare. This is my conclusion, Solomon says the teacher. I discovered this after looking at the matter from every possible angle. Though I have searched repeatedly, I have not found what I was looking for. Only one out of a thousand men is virtuous, but not one woman. Don't get mad at me. I didn't write this. Only one out of a thousand men is virtuous, but not one woman. But I did find this, 
God created people to be virtuous, but they have each turned to follow their own downward path. How about a big amen there? Solomon's wise. You want to avoid a lot of trouble? Read Ecclesiastes. It'll save you a lot of problems. Us guys got it over your woman. One out of, we got one up on you. <laughs> but that's it. What's the whole point of the matter? All of us fall short of the glory of God. Amen? Yeah, there's only one. You know who the one is? Jesus. Amen. That's the only one. He's the virtuous one. And he's our example. All right, now we are going to get into a very, very important topic in discussion about spiritual warfare. So this is going to require you to stay focused because the devil is going to try to distract you through this whole message. It's going to take more than one message to get through this, but I'm going to educate you about spiritual warfare. The anxiety is so extreme in me today that I know it's powerful, but Jesus has got my back, and I pray that I can get this message out as clearly as God given it to me. Amen? This is so important about understanding spiritual warfare. And first thing, I'm going to lay some groundwork and some facts about spiritual warfare and how it, how it affects all of us. Okay, is everybody with me so far? All right now. The Bible speaks about the reality of a conflict, conflict we face as believers. And we popularly call that conflict spiritual warfare. Missionaries are often most aware of this reality as they engage those who don't know Christ around the world. The Bible warns us, though, that believers usually fall into one of the two camps when dealing with the demonic. We deny their existence, or we get fascinated with them. Either way, we too often miss the Bible's basic teaching about this conflict. So what is spiritual warfare? Let's define it. It is an intense battle, okay, in the unseen and supernatural dimensions where God is all-powerful and Satan is in revolt. No one is free from the spiritual warfare. We are all affected by it in one way or another. Although the spiritual warfare is not visible to the human eye, it is absolutely real and can be felt by the followers of Christ. We all know that. There's warfare going on. We sense it. The spiritual battle we are talking of is mentioned a couple of times across the Holy Scriptures. It is particularly dealt with in Ephesians 6.12, where Apostle Paul calls on all Christians to put on the armor of God for spiritual battle against the evil forces and principalities in high places. So if you're with me this morning, please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to begin there. Is everybody with me so far? I can tell everybody's interested in this because we know there's something crazy going on that we can't see. And you can't figure it out with the human intellect. We're going to talk about this. We're going to get this out. You are going to be educated about spiritual warfare. This church is going to be educated and know what we're up against. Amen? It's my job to teach you to understand it. 
And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to prepare you for what's ahead. Because the days are getting darker and darker out there. And it's becoming more and more godless out there. Even though the sun is out, it's dark. People are doing things that they wouldn't do during the day or in the light. Right in the day and in the light, thinking that there's no consequences. Before, at least years ago, everybody waited till it got late to do the dirty deeds that they were doing. Now they're doing it right in the open in the morning. They're doing them for breakfast. So that's how you know people are not fearing God in this country anymore. Okay, verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6. Everybody there? A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. So right then and there he's telling us the devil is strategic. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. What does the devil like us to do? He likes us to what? Attack each other. People, places, and things. Knowing, thinking that it's the people and the places and the things, when really who's behind it? Satan is behind it. Therefore, look at verse 13. Put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. That means that after the battle, you will still be standing firm. So we all know we're going to go into a battle every day between the flesh and the spirit. Does, that, does anybody recognize that battle as a Christian? We all do, right? Now look what it says, verse 14. Stand your ground. Putting on the belt of truth, truth of God's word, and the body armor of God's righteousness. We're going to explain all these later, not yet. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. He doesn't say fiery arrow. Fiery arrows. So don't think that you overcome him once. That he's not going to come back and shoot another one. He's going to keep shooting arrows at believers. Especially the ones that are growing. He's going to attack. And try to bring you back into his kingdom. And get you out of God's kingdom. And get any men here. To lose your testimony. Verse 17. Put on salvation as your helmet. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Then it says, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Praying in the Spirit is praying in God's will. The Spirit of God. Stay alert. Listen now. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers. For all believers everywhere. How about a big amen there? Be persistent. Never give up. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance 
And God has put that kind of love inside your heart. And I get a big amen here. All right. So never give up. I don't know how many times through this journey myself that I wanted to give up. Because I'm not seeing what I think it should look like. But God says, no, John, everything's the way it's supposed to be. Just trust me. I'm the one in charge, not you. Don't put expectations on my work. Don't expect anything. Just follow and do my will and become like my son, the very reason why I saved you. Stay focused on that. Okay. So the Bible, let's just go, I'm going to lay some groundwork now. The Bible is a book about God, not the devil. The Bible doesn't answer every question about warfare, okay? Nor does it grant us permission to focus our attention on the devil. Any approach to warfare that magnifies the devil's power does not reflect biblical spiritual warfare. Can I get an amen here? The devil is defeated. The devil is not more powerful than God. Remember that. The second one. Satan and his forces are real. The Bible doesn't answer every question about warfare, nor does it grant us permission to focus our attention on the devil. Some argue the concept of Satan and demons is only a first century attempt to explain evil. But the Bible reveals them as real, supernatural beings who oppose God and his people. Our attempt to explain away these forces cannot negate their reality. Again, amen here. Satan, however, is not our biggest problem. Listen up. Satan is not our biggest problem. We face three enemies. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. <laughs> this is going to reveal my age, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> if anybody remembers back in the day, there was a show called Flip Wilson. Remember him? And he'd come out and he'd say, The devil made me do it. Remember him? The devil doesn't make us do anything. We do it. We make the choice to carry it out. Don't blame the devil. He tempts you, but he doesn't make you do anything. A lot of us want to blame the devil for everything. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2. How do I know these things? Because the Bible tells me the reality of the human heart. Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse 1. Once you were dead, spiritually, because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world, or obeying the commander of the power of the air. He is the spirit, listen now, he is the spirit at work in the hearts, of those who refuse to obey God. If anybody refuses to obey God, 
The devil is the one who does the, is working at inside your heart to make you disobey him. Can I get an amen here? All of us used to obey the devil not knowing that we were obeying him. When I was living in the world, I had no idea that I was just doing what the, everybody else does. I had no idea I was obeying the devil. He's very sneaky. He doesn't show himself. We think that we're just doing what everybody else does. Now, listen to what it says in verse 3. This is for us. All of us used to live that way. Following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger. Just like everyone else. Okay? Now listen. In some cases, the three are so interwoven interwoven that it's difficult to tell them apart. Our primary problem is not Satan, though. We are our biggest issue. We're the biggest issue. But it's so interwoven, right? The world, the devil, and the flesh. We can't tell which one's working. We think it's the devil when it's our flesh. We don't really understand ourselves, like he says in verse 7, Romans 7. I want to do what's right, but I don't. I want to do the right thing, but I can't. Oh, what is it? It's sin living in me that does it. Oh, what a miserable person I am. It makes us miserable and depressed. And we think it's the devil. But we're simply following the flesh, thinking that it's the devil. Very tricky. These three things operate all the time in our lives. The last thing we blame, listen, this is the way human beings are, is ourselves. We're the last ones that take the blame for anything. We'll blame the world, we'll blame the devil, but it's not me. Wrong. The Bible says it is you. Either you believe what the Bible says or you don't. All I know is this, when I really look into it, the devil doesn't make me do anything. Boy, does he tempt me. He throws the bait out at me to make that craving so intense that I have to carry it out. But Jesus said, I'm going to give you power to say no to that. Now the crossroad is, are you going to say no and trust me? Or are you going to say yes to your flesh and do it? The choice always becomes down to you. Can I get any men here? But God reigns even over the enemy. There is strife between human beings and the serpent because God put that conflict there. Where is that? Genesis chapter 3. Let's go there. I'm laying the groundwork for understanding this. You don't have to really just go over to the beginning of the book. I'm not going to be out to find this one. Because of the fall, Genesis chapter 3. This is going to go to verse 15. One verse. Because of the fall, this is what happened. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman. And between your offspring and her offspring. So the woman... And her offspring, which is us, 
right? And you're off bringing her. So all of us, because of the fall, are the devil's going to is hostility because of the fall. We're all in spiritual conflict because of it. And what does it say? He will uh, he will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. That strife would lead to the cross. Listen now, from that strife would lead to the cross where the death of Jesus would break the back of the powers of Satan. Now go with me to Colossians chapter 2. God was already doing the redemptive plan from the fall, from the beginning. That's why it's important to read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation so you will get an understanding of how this all works. And I'm going to help you get there. And if you don't like reading, I'll read it for you. Go on the website and you'll get my lovely voice reading you the whole Bible. If you don't want to do it. So I make every option available to you. So this church has no excuse for not knowing God or the Bible. Because we provide every angle there is. We got the live feed, we got the podcast, we got the reading, everything. And if you don't take me up on it, that's on you. My hands are my hands are clean. I did what God told me to do. Look at verse 15 of Colossians chapter 2. In this way, look at verse 15. In this way, he disarmed or he stripped off the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them by public them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Jesus defeated Satan and death at the cross. It is finished. Now, but why are we still in this conflict then if it's finished? Now there's a reason why there's a conflict. Why? Because now God sovereignly uses the spiritual battles to make us the followers he wants us to be. He uses all that conflict to mold us and shape us into the image of Christ. That's why he uses it still. He used, the, devil, the devil meant it for evil, but God uses it for good. It refines us. It transforms us. There is no growth without resistance. You know, anybody here go to the gym, right? I hope somebody's going to the gym. Stay healthy. It's good for you. You know, if you go to the gym and you sit at the machine and just sit there and wait to grow, yeah, things will grow, but it won't be the way you want them to be growing. They'll be growing this way while you're waiting. So what do you do? You get in there, you start lifting the weights, right? The resistance comes. The muscles start to grow. The next time you go to the gym again, you have to add a little bit more weight, a little more resistance, because your muscles get used to it. It's the same thing in the spiritual walk. You have to keep growing spiritually. God keeps pruning us and clipping off the stuff and burning off the dross to make us more refined. And he uses all the situations to do it. So we never arrive. Can I get any men here? He's always working on us. There's always going to be resistance in the believer's life. So you have to make peace with that. You with me so far? Okay. Now God suddenly uses the but to make us follow as he wants us to be. The, uh, just remember one thing. This is important. 
Because he's not going to make you think that he's defeated. But the enemy we face is a defeated enemy. He's already been defeated. Okay? You have to understand that at the cross, he's been defeated. But you're not going to feel like he is. Okay? He's going to attack you in the emotional realm. In the spiritual realm. It give you emotional breakdowns. But we're not, it's not about emotion. It's about the facts. See, he's growing you beyond, maturity is growing beyond your emotions into the facts of the word of God. Trusting the facts over the feelings. Can I get me, man? Trusting your faith over your feelings. You know how much your feelings are unreliable. They misguide us all the time and cause problems. Okay. Satan has been bound through God's judgment and through the cross is being bound through the preaching of the gospel and will be bound for eternity. We do generally wrestle against principalities and powers like it tells us in Ephesians 6, 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. You've got to get this for your head. But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. But the devil and his forces have never been outside of God's control. Never. So nothing can happen unless it goes through the permissive hand of God. Can I get any man? So you have to understand, now how does the devil work? He works through unbelievers. Okay, He works through someone who's not following the Lord. He works through believers who are living a sinful life. He goes inside, a, a spirit has to enter something. It, has to, it needs a body. So it goes into a person. And what, that person will come and attack you. Say something bad about you. Talk about you. The devil is actually using them. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, do not sin by letting anger control you. Why? Because anger gives a foothold to the devil. You know it as well as I do, what comes out of your mouth when you get angry. Are you praising Jesus in your anger? No, what's coming out of your mouth? Nothing godly. And guess what? You can't even stop it. You are being possessed at that moment when you are running someone down and, and, and degrading someone or saying something harsh about someone, the devil is controlling you. Do you, do you know? Does he, can you tell he is? No, you're not going to sense it. He's invisible. He comes through the thought process. He comes up your spine. He wants you to erupt like a volcano. Instead of what? Like Jesus did. He kept his mouth shut. As a mature believer, it says what? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. You cannot do that in the flesh. If you do give them something to eat, it's going to be something with poison in it. And you give them something to drink, it's going to be something to kill them. Get it? You can't do it in the flesh. It's only done through the Spirit of God. Can I get any men here? It's warfare, though. You can't see. Everybody's blaming everybody but the devil. I can't believe the way that person's treating me. I can't believe they did that to me. I can't believe they don't call me. I can't believe they don't do this. I, don't, I can't believe they won't do this. I can't believe they didn't keep their promise. It's the devil. And what do we do? We attack the people. And the devil says, see, you didn't even see me. He plays hide and seek. 
he hides inside the believer. So the believer gets attacked. Can I get any men here? All right. You with me so far? We need to get educated on this because too many times we attack people. We go after the people we love the most. And that's who the devil goes after. He gets into the fabric of our family. Into the history of our family. Which we know that we keep record of. It's hard, to, it's hard to forget about deep family roots that happen to us. And what happens when a conflict comes? It comes right back up again. It's right here. It comes right back up. But remember when you did that? Well, I thought you forgave me. I didn't know you didn't. If you forgave me, you wouldn't remember. Forgive and remember. You can forgive, but if you don't forget, you really haven't forgiven. You have to forget. It's called holy amnesia. And he'll give it to you. Say, Lord, please, remember their sins no more, like he says to us. Remember their sins no more. I don't remember what they did to me. I'm going to pray for them, that God gets inside them and changes them so they can see what I see. Because only God can get inside someone. You can't get in there. Try to talk to somebody. Go ahead. Try to get through to that dickhead. Go ahead. Try to get in there. It's like locked. How many, of you, how many of us tried to change people already? How's that working? You can't even change yourself. You're trying to change someone else. Can't even change your own, your own heart. You want to change someone else's. What's that called? Pride. Pride. I'm better than you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Is everybody with me so far? All right. Warfare, now listen, is the devil's attempt to deceive and divide believers. Warfare is the devil's attempt to deceive and divide believers. If you look at the churches today, how much division there is in churches, there is no unity in the body. Maybe in the house there is, in this house there's unity, but between Christendom all in its way, it's divided. Why? Because human teaching has infected the truth of God's word. There's no such thing as denominations in the Bible. And what happens? People follow human, human teachings. There is no denominations. So what, what, is, what does everybody do? We believe in Jesus. What are, you, what are you? I'm a believer of the Bible. There's no denominations. Those, if you can find one in the Bible, come see me after service. Find one in there. Those are human teachings as commandments of God. And what does it do? It divides people. Big amen there. That's why we're not a denomination. We're Bible-believing Christians. Who do we belong to? Jesus. We don't belong to any cult or sect or anything else. We belong to the Bible. The Bible is our owner's manual. And always will be. And if you want truth, you will not throw any human teachings into it. Or else, what do you get? Division. Should there be division? There's more unity in the unbelieving world than there is in Christianity. And what do you think the devil's doing? You follow your religion. You're doing a good job. 
Because following your religion is not following Jesus. Remember what Jesus said about religious people? The Pharisees are the ones that killed him. The religious people that thought they knew God. Through what? Outward things. Okay. Since the fall in the Garden of Eden, now listen up. The devil has tried to bait us with false teaching, lure us into sin, and turn us against each other. He does this to keep us from glorifying God in doing the great commission of building his kingdom here. He seeks to devour us so we can no longer be a light to a lost world. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. We're running out of time. But don't worry, there's always next time. Stay tuned for the exciting saga. Spiritual warfare. This is good stuff. This is what we need. This is not getting taught enough out there. The devil's having a field day inside the churches. As a matter of fact, the devil's in the churches right now. And the Bible says judgment is going to come and it's going to start in God's house. All right. Look what it says. 1 Peter 5. Look at verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 5. You guys, you guys are doing a great job of staying alert on this. Because it's hard. It's hard to stay focused on this. The devil, believe me, the devil tried to scramble me on this. Important message. I was all night restless. I knew that this important message, the devil does not want to educate you about him. doesn't want me to educate you about how he's working. He wants you to stay blind to him. So we keep attacking people, places, and things. Instead of resisting the devil. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will see ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. I'm a child of the king. Beat it, devil. I am not following your ways anymore. Get off me. Like dandruff. Get off me. I'm stronger than you now. Jesus is in me. You're defeated. Stop trying to get in my head. Once you understand the conflict is up here, the battle's here, you'll be ready for it. You know the good that comes in? Everything good comes from God. Everything what? Hatred, bitterness, resentment, depression comes from the enemy. See, he comes in with that stuff. The heaviness, that oppression, that depression, all that stuff. He wants you to feel like walking with the Lord is such a hard thing to do. I can't, it's so hard to walk with the Lord. He makes it feel, makes us feel so weak and tired all the time. Because you notice, the only book that you fall asleep reading is the Bible. You get into one of the mother books, the novels, people read them all night long. You start opening up to read the scriptures, fall asleep and like fight. Why? You think that's you think that's the devil? He is. He's in there. All right, look at verse 8. Stay alert. See? He wants to catch us sleeping. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. 
he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. So what's he do? He's looking to devour a believer that's what? Struggling or weak. That's not reading the word of God. That's not following God. That's not being obedient. He's looking for that person. Right? And then he gets inside him. And they come out and what? They start spewing out division inside the church. Because they're not following the Lord. Following the devil. And then you're hearing people saying bad things about people in the church. People degrading, finding everything wrong with everything. Instead of saying anything good and building people up, you're tearing people down and the devil's in. Because the Bible says every believer's job is to build each other up and compliment each other. Not tear each other down and find out what's wrong with us. We already know what's wrong with us. There's plenty wrong with us. But we know we're on the right path of righteousness following Jesus. So that's what we're to build up work on. Now look what it says. He's seeking someone to look at verse 9. Stand firm against him and be strong in the faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. You know when the devil gets you in the pity pot? The suffering? Oh, poor me. Why do I got to go through all this? You are not alone. There's other people going through just as much, if not worse than you. Just remember that. Because the devil tries to get you in the corner with the poor me syndrome. When it's not the poor me syndrome, he's working, he's doing that to everybody. Again, amen here. Don't let him isolate. He gets you in isolation is when he has a field day with you. See, there's strength in numbers. Like a, you, you could use the analogy, you see when a lion's hunting, he goes after the, the, the wildebeest or whatever he's looking for. He doesn't go in the middle and get the one running with the pack. He gets the one in the back. What, lagging by itself? The weaker one? And that he pounces on it. That's what he does with the believers. He gets the ones that are weaker. Our job is to strengthen the weaker believers, not tear them down. The ones that are weaker, we fight for them that they can't fight for themselves. So we pray in the Spirit for them. Strengthen them, Lord. Pray with them. Grab them by them. It's okay. The devil keeps them out of church. So what? He can get them have a field day on. But we're here to build each other up. Good to see you, brother. We know what the devil does. He gets us to not want to come to church. Or get us into a fight on our way to church. So we can't get a good message. You know what I'm talking about. Am I the only one to go through this? No, God will put somebody in front of you that's like going three miles an hour. When you know you're already late. And once he gets in, once he gets into that stress, it gets that stress in your life. By the time you get to church, you can't concentrate on anything. It is so aggravated. You can understand that's the devil. He works through all that. All right. Now look what it said before we'll close here. Look at verse 10. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory. By means of Christ Jesus. Now listen what it says. Listen what it says now. So after you have suffered a little while. So the Bible's telling us suffering is normal. After you suffer for a little while, who's going to restore you? He will restore. 
support, and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever and ever. Amen? The summary of common use for that enemy wants us to mess up. For, listen, he wants us to mess up, fall into sin, give up, get discouraged, get puffed up, live in arrogance, split up, divide, or shut up, quit evangelizing. That's what he wants us to do. I'll tell you one thing. I'll give you a little, uh, two years, I was suffering. I fell in the pit at work. God put me in the pit for two years. I couldn't, I couldn't feel him, sense him anything. While I was preaching, what did I do? He refined me, and he turned me, and he, and he turned, put me on solid ground. I trusted the Bible. I didn't go anywhere else but to him. I waited and waited and waited till I got up out of it. Now whenever I fall into a pit, I know he's going to get me out of it. Because he did already. I didn't go to the world. I stayed with him. And it was a long one. But through the process, I become stronger than ever. So don't go to the world. Stick with God. He will get you through. He said it. After you have suffered. Listen, let me close with this. So after you have suffered for a little while, listen to me. He will restore support and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever and ever. You have to believe that when it's happening. He's going to do it. He never. God's not an Indian giver. He don't break promises. He keeps them. No matter how long it takes, wait on the Lord. He'll get you true. While you're waiting, get in the word. Become like him. Serve him. And then you'll see how you come up out of that. More refined. Like gold. The only way you can purify gold is to burn off the impurities. That's what he does with believers. He burns off all the sin nature through all the trials to make us new again. All right, got to close there. Thank you for letting me share that with you. Take that with you. We're going to continue this message when we get back together again. I'm going to call the ushers up to take up the collection, and we're going to close. All right, we're going to stand. Brittany's going to come up and sing, and we are going to close.
every day. Brother Eric, you want to come up and close us? Jesus, thank you for the amazing message that you gave to Pastor John to deliver to us today, Lord. Let us hold it close to our heart, Lord, so we can go and be the beacons of light in this dark world, Lord, so you can shine radiantly through us and so we can be Christ-like. Thank you, Lord, for your wonderful word to encourage us every single day. Lord, please help us through this internal change as we may struggle, but you're always there. You never give up on us. Yes, Thank you, Jesus, for all that you do in all of our lives. Amen. 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 All right. Thanks, Eric. All right, the service is over. Go in peace. Tell me it again. God bless. Peace. peace.